Alrighty then, we are live. This is Michael Basham, Spirit Force, Spirit Wars, Fringe Radio Network, Faithbooks.com, and we are very honored and privileged to have on the show tonight Sharon Croft. The Croft family and the Basham family are old friends, so this is a historical talk. So thank you for joining us, Sharon. Yes, this is a very serendipitous type of, of meeting. It's just crazy that your father was my uncle Derek's tennis teacher and your dad got my sister my baby sister started in violin and then when I heard you on Omega Man radio I was thinking Michael Basham Basham does he have anything to do with Laura and Lisa and Dick and Cindy Leggett and Don Basham hmm. and he keeps on talking about the millennial reign of Christ Mike, I kind of like that. So, and then I figured I should ask him if he's related to Glenn. And yes, you you are. So we're we're kind of like cousins, but we're, we're the cousins that aren't cousins, I guess. Yes, indeed. And I was just there at the Derek Prince fiftieth anniversary not too long ago, and I got to see a lot of the staff there are Bashams. So, uh, I guess you call him Uncle Derek. But um, Papa Basham and Derek Prince used to work very closely together. And we're, we're also in the process of uploading Don Basham's sermons and Ern Baxter sermons as well. So that's another, another thing. But um, in, introduce to us the Crofts. I heard Pastor Jim Croft teaching an absolutely amazing teaching on Omega Man. And then I was so delighted to see your here as well and your revelation and just the millennial reign of christ like you really have that down and i think that is an that is an important and inspiring message for today but just introduce a little bit to us the croft family for those that maybe are new uh to to the name okay um my dad is jim croft he's basically one of those hidden apostles he does a lot of behind the scenes work but he's not um He's not the kind of person that you see out front. His name is not out all, all over the place, but anyone who um, has done anything in the Christian world, he may have been their, been their pastor or their counselor at one time. There are people from all over the world. There, there are counselors all over the world who are, there are pastors who need counsel all over the world who might call Jim Croft and say, hey, I need help with whatever, and he'll talk them through it. Um, as far as his um, foundational type of teaching, after he really came to Jesus, after the Six-Day War in 1967, just before, uh, like right after I was born, just before my sister was born, the Lord basically downloaded the Bible into, them, into him, and he can quote scripture back and forward and get in scriptural insight on things very, very quickly, which is amazing because right now he's legally blind and can't wow. read well at all but he makes himself do it with like font this big and thick glasses wow. but i grew up listening um to derek prince probably from about the age of five onward and then in the middle of the 1970s my family moved from west texas to fort lauderdale to be with don basham and um derek prince and Ern baxter and that whole crew that was known as the fort lauderdale five and there, um, there were some things there where there had to be adjustments made. But as far as 
um, the foundational teaching and the word of God, it was excellent. And um, when you hear things like, um, like the, the music at Bethel or the teaching at Bethel Church um, and the prophetic praise, the pro whole prophetic movement um, and prophetic worship and excellent Bible teaching, a lot of it got its foundation there and then spread out all over the world. Um, you know, if you think of like the nation of Hungary, the nation of Hungary is basically a very, very free nation now. Um, but it wasn't like that in the 1970s and 80s. And Jim Croft is one of the ones who went in and taught um, Sandor and Judith Nemeth. And now they have one of the biggest churches in the world. They started out with two and then a group of seven that was meeting in a barn and they had to play. Um, well, actually, yeah, I think they were meeting in a barn for a while. But when they were meeting in their house, they had to play really loud rock music in their window while they're during their worship service to keep the neighbors from reporting them to the KGB. They had to make it sound like it wasn't a Christian service. And now they have satellite churches all over Hungary. They have private Christian schools all over Hungary. And in the nation of Hungary, like in Europe, basically you might know this because of your travels. Um, you, if like if you're in Germany or Poland or whatever, you have a choice of two religions. And in Germany, you don't pay your tithe the state pays it for you. So you check on your IRS form, are you a Lutheran or a Catholic? And they send your money to whatever church so they can kind of control the church. Well, it's, um, well, in Hungary, you have to declare your religion um, and you have a choice of Lutheran or Catholic. Um, but because of the work of Sandor Nemeth, um, you now have a choice, Lutheran, Catholic, or you can be a part, or you can say, I'm a member in the faith church. And faith church is um, the church that Sandor Nebeth is the pastor of that Jim Croft basically helped him found. He does all these, my dad does all these kinds of behind the scenes things. And people have a really, really big name. And somehow he is behind them, supporting them in, in some way. Um, I've um, right now I'm assisting people who just came from Afghanistan. Um, there are people in Iran that he's um, a, mis a missions group that goes back and forth from um, Iran and other nations. Um, and um, so there, there's writing that's done for them. He does like the, um, a lot of, of the ghost writing for them, but his name is on the book. So like, like a miracle of miracles and, forbid, and forbidden miracles, the story of, of Mina Navisa um, and her family and how they got out of Iran and what happened with um, her dad, who was an Ayatollah um, in Iran. Um, and just all of this stuff, it's like the kingdom of God is really, really big and um, we know all these big names like the Derek Prince and the Don Bashams, but there are people under them who are doing um, that you don't see that are really, really busy and doing a lot of a lot of work. It's kind of like you. You just came back. You know, you were on the mission field for a while and now now you're back um, in the U.S. It's exactly it like that. Like we're facilitating. I like to be in the background, too. Actually, people pushed me out into the stage here to do this show because it was like nobody else was doing it but and at least in my circles but it's like without your dad without your your dad or your i feel like you're too young for him to be your dad your grandfather uh jim croft is your father or your grandfather 
I'm I'm 56. No way. Got out. Yes, of yes, yes. I'm 56. Yes. Well, I, I anyway, like having. Yeah. I drink. <laughs> listen to it's, it's Ms. Whatever Clara, her health advice is, listen to it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, cheers to that. And so we're here kind of, I look at us as like the next generation of, you know, we might have our own strengths too, that are different too, but of carrying on the legacies of our families. And here we are meeting each other and coming together. And it's like, this is cool. Like our DNA is resonating here, you know, um, missionary wise, it's always good to just be the servant of all and humble. And man, without Jim Croft, where would we have been? And so many people's lives were changed and Derek Prince Ministries is going strong. Um, did you make it to any of those those anniversaries? I was I was there. I don't think I saw anybody, no, but okay. I I did not make it to um that anniversary. Um and you know, it could be that that someday I do, but you know, it just didn't just didn't happen this time. Maybe it'll happen next time. But we're having kind of a big um, shebang for my dad in a couple of weeks in Fort Lauderdale. And a lot of the Great. Derek Prince ministry people are, are going to be there. But I wanted to show you something. Okay. So Rodman Williams is the Presbyterian guy with the doctorate in divinity who got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he wrote this book, Renewal Theology. A lot of it's um, like the first section this is three volumes the first volume a lot of it's just like a copycat from the dutch reformed type calvinistic theology that your sisters read and i read at fort lauderdale christian school but then in i think volume either two or three of this book he mentions your dad don basham in the deliverance ministry so I, well actually not your dad your 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 um i think it, it's your granddad in the deliverance ministry and i just so people um, who are being trained like at Regent University and charismatic Pentecost type of university seminaries are actually learning a little bit of, of what your dad did. So that legacy is being passed on. And I think that's really, really good because we have to have um, like the apostles before us to, you know, the Don Bashams and the Jim Crofts and the Derek Princes, you know, to just go back and, and build on what they taught us. Absolutely. Uh, to know that there's over 50 something offices, maybe it's 70. I don't know. But I got to talk to Uncle Uncle Dick Leggett, who's in charge of the ministry and to see how far reaching it is and just type in Derek Prince on TikTok or whatever. There's just hundreds of thousands of videos and people, millions of views. And so the next generation, I believe there's a huge revival happening. But why I fall back on our family's teachings is that that is super foundational. And um, we can talk a lot about that. But I'm interested in let's bring forth the the crafts. What is kind of the main thrust? I mean, you you are so knowledgeable when we get into like the millennium. And how is it that you have kind of come into this understanding? Because really, the millennial reign of Christ was not quite the focal point of when I listened to Ern Baxter or uh, Derek Prince as much as as what you obviously have uh, understanding. So where did that come in? And um, just, yeah, just whatever you want to share on um, that note. Well, I did hear, I believe uh, at some point when I was a little bitty kid, I must have heard Uncle Derek speak on it. Um, oh. And I, I just understood that it was true. And I, I cut my teeth 
on the Bible. I was reading the Bible before I could read. I would just open up my little children's Bible and my mom would say, Sharon, you can't read yet. I would say, Jesus is telling me the stories. Yeah. And that was when I was like maybe five or six years old, just, just learning how to read. But I remember conversations with um, friends in school about the millennial reign of Christ. Like I did not talk out of turn. I always obeyed the rules. But if I was talking when I wasn't supposed to be at school, I was talking to people about the angel that I saw in my bedroom last night, whether it was just like the moon glow coming in the wrong way and the millennial reign of Christ. Wow. So, so um, the first time that I led anyone to Jesus, we were um, playing hide and seek in the neighbor's backyard. And these neighbors were little atheist girls from a little atheist mother. And we were playing hide and seek. And we said, let, let, let's pretend that bad people are chasing us. And they were behind this big rock in their yard. And I said, hmm, let's pretend that this big rock is like a tombstone in a graveyard. And we're hiding. And it's the rapture. It's the resurrection. And the people come up out of the graves. They said, what? And I explained it to them. And... Their eyes got really, really big, and I just basically gave them the whole the whole gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit and talked about the return wow. of Jesus and what's going to happen. And they said, our mom and dad say there is no God, but you are glowing like an angel, so we know what you're saying must be true. And I felt a little weird, but it turns out I was like really shining like a light bulb. Yes. So I they- that. They yeah. received Jesus as Lord, and I, and I baptized him in their bathtub within a couple days of that. Um, yeah, and then we moved to Fort Lauderdale maybe within a year after that, and they moved away. So we really didn't keep in contact. But I expect I'm going to see. I think their names are Karen and Kathy. Um, I think I'm, I'm expecting to see those girls in heaven. Um, but basically, the way that I learned about the millennial reign of Christ is just reading the Bible. I read the Bible and I read the Bible and I read the Bible. And one of my favorite Bibles, I'm not, I'm not picky um, about what version I read because um, as an English teacher, I, I like words. Um, words are important and somebody might say scarlet and somebody might say crimson. And to me, they're two different things, but they're, but they're similar enough that you can use it interchangeably. But the, right. but one of my favorite Bibles is the New American Standard um, with the interlinear type of references where if I look in this middle section, I get every cross reference or whatever verse I'm reading. So I can go back to those cross references and um, get a better understanding. So there are times when I just like soak in the scripture and just like read it for devotional purposes and then like really dive in and read it for study purposes which is yeah. like for devotional purposes anyway. But like when I um, read um, in Revelations chapter 20 and go back to all the of the cross references, I see talking about the millennial reign of Christ, one of the cross of Christ, one of the cross references, Daniel chapter seven. So if you read Daniel chapter seven and then you read Revelation 20 and read Daniel chapter seven again, where he talks about the ancient of days and describes the ancient of days coming and they, they opened the books in the court sat and all of this stuff happening. And you read 
um, a lot of the same stuff in Revelation 20. It's like it fills in the blanks. They overlap in such a way that um, that they fill each other in and you can get a more complete picture. The thing with prophecy yes. is that it's not meant to give you the whole picture. Um, mm -hmm. A prophecy is a piece here and a piece there. And you read this piece here and this book and that piece there and that book. And if there are enough keywords that match, you can say, okay, Lord, are these things supposed to be together? Are they talking about the same thing? And then we get a fuller picture. Um, and so I just, I just read it and read it and read it and pray for insight and the Holy Spirit gives insight. But, um, and if I don't know something, I go look it up in the dictionary. And one of the things to know about looking something up in the American dictionary is the newest words or the newest use of a word will come first. And yes. then it has the older use and the older use. And sometimes you have to get to um, the one that was used maybe in the 1800s to get like the correct use of that word, like the word quiet. If you, um, if you were to hear my teaching on women in, in ministry. Um, there are scriptures that say that a woman should be quiet. I think those would be like maybe in Titus or Timothy. Well, if you look at the word quiet as a, as a real estate agent, I know when I quiet the title, that means I take it to a lawyer and have them settle it. So there's no legal, so there's no legal argument. Oh. Okay. So quiet, if you look at it in that sense, it doesn't mean I have to shut up in church, but I don't need to be arguing with the pastor in the middle of the sermon. Right. Um, and there are like the, there's a scripture in um, Corinthians 14 that it says a woman must be silent in church. Well, I've done enough research to, to see that came from a section of the Talmud that they inserted in a certain spot because Paul was answering that. Oh. Yes. Yes. And then like in the next verse, like in Romans, where um, where Paul is saying, um, um, should you um, um, should you keep on sinning that grace may abound? No way, may it never be. Well, okay. when he says what, okay, that's basically no way, may it, may it never be. That what made it into Lamas's translation, but it didn't make it um, into. Um, into the first Corinthians, or if it did, it was interpreted a little bit differently. So where, mm. so where Paul was saying, no, everybody gets a chance to prophesy, just like I said in chapter 11. Right. Um, it's just that one little word being left out. Um, it makes it so that people are prohibiting something that can be done in order. So um, I just read it and I read it and I read it and I do my research. Wow. And I read it some more. Um, so did so. I think that you had some questions about like a perspective on the kingdom of God, and you were saying something. Um, I do about yeah. the Sermon on the Mount. So well, we're starting a new uh, Chinese project to reach China, and so I'm doing a bilingual because I taught English for like 15 years in China, Taiwan, Japan, and online, and so it's like all the Asians want to learn English, so why not? do like a kind of like a i'll read the bible in chinese the kjv translated chinese believe it or not that exists now but then we'll kind of like practice our english words too 
so that I get a little break mentally from just trying to speak Chinese when I run out of words, you know, do a bilingual thing. And I just so happen to start with the Sermon on the Mount. So that's uploaded. It's in Chinese. I'll post it to uh, the, the main feed on on Spirit Force and Fringe Radio Network and everywhere else. But um, and it'll be broadcast shortwave. So pray for that project. But um, primarily, I, I one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on was just besides the fact that we're like long lost family. It's just so cool. And this is a t- it's for such a time as this that we're talking. And I hope we can do more shows soon is that today is election day and everybody's freaked out and there's like the you know the moon eclipse yesterday full moon historical never happened before the democrats are stealing the election oh my gosh it's the antichrist oh my gosh it's the tribulation oh my gosh rapture oh my gosh and that's all everybody's talking about and yes i believe it is true but it's only for seven years that the antichrist is going to be here i don't know exactly your timing on everything rapture and everything but I mean, we're talking a thousand years of millennial reign, the kingdom of God. And so I would kind of like to hear more. And you you have a teaching already with Omega Man, several actually, that are really good. I, I just was blown away listening to you. Um, but just to kind of to bring you on our platforms and to show you around, you know, introduce people to you. What do you see as far as the kingdom of God when you mentioned the Beatitudes as well, Matthew chapter five, six and seven? What, uh, how does that inter intersplice interlink? Because obviously you know how to take the Bible and, and kind of bring things together. Um, I'll stop talking. <laughs> so okay. tell us, tell us that perspective on, on things and just, you know, however okay. the spirit leads sister. Okay. Well, as far as I'm concerned, like with the timing of the rapture, when I'm floating, I will know that it's the rapture. Okay. I will know when I see Jesus, then I will know. Um, I believe that the Lord will return in my lifetime. Since I was six or seven years old, I've just known that the Lord is going to return in my lifetime. But there are people before that who've said that. But, you know, at the resurrection, if we're all there floating up together, it then um, you might people might not have dreamed about the part when they died. They just dreamed about the part when they met Jesus in the air. But I believe it's going to be in my lifetime because of the rebirth of the nation of Israel in 1948. That kind of gives us like a new starting point. And then um, the retaking of Jerusalem in 1967. So that kind of gives us a timeline that somewhere between 48 and 67, about anywhere between 50 and 80 years from one of those dates would be a realistic time. But am I going to panic about it? No. You know, it's not because um, because I can't make it happen any faster other than spreading the gospel. And if I'm spreading the gospel in fear, then I'm not, um, I'm not selling a product that people want. People have enough fear. They don't need that. Jesus leads people to him with kindness and compassion. Um, What I see in Revelation chapter 20 is also in Daniel chapter 7. It's about the king coming and establishing his kingdom. Um, As an English teacher, and you as an English teacher probably know, the word kingdom is a compound word. It's the king's dominion. So King Jesus Am I letting King Jesus be my boss and have dominion over me? 
King Jesus and the Holy Spirit need to dominate everything I do. And if there's one area in my life where the king is not dominating, then I that part of my life is out of the kingdom. And I have to ask the Holy Spirit to help me bring it back in so that everything in my life is subject to Jesus. Everything is subject is subject to the Holy Spirit. My will, my mind, my attitudes, my emotions, how much TV I watch, even if it's the Hallmark Channel. Um, everything is subject to Jesus because he is my king. He's He has dominion. He gets to be the boss. If we look at um, the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter 5 all the way until I think about Matthew chapter 7, I think it's also repeated in Luke. Um, Jesus is talking about attitudes. You know, there are cultures that change and we have TV now, we have YouTube and we have airplanes now. They didn't have them then. But when it comes to heart attitudes, heart heart attitudes of hating people or loving people um, and not cheating people and good ethics and being kind to strangers, all of those um, all of those heart attitudes, you know, humans are humans 2,000 years ago or today. And being sanctified doesn't just mean I, um, I don't smoke and I don't overindulge in alcohol. You know, it doesn't mean just those things. Being sanctified means that I let Jesus come and transform me. I let the Holy Spirit come and transform me so that I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. When I have those kinds of attitudes, then I'm better able to spread the gospel. If, um, like, right now I'm in a situation where I'm helping teach English to a group from Af um, Afghanistan. If, um, let's just put it this way, if I did it with the attitude of a woman in need of a vet, if I did it with a very, very... Um, bad attitude and there's another b word that i could use if i did it with that attitude with a a mean cruel attitude you know they might learn something and they might even learn it faster but i'm not sharing the heart of jesus you know i have to share the heart of jesus everywhere i go even if it means i have to give up something of myself um and i think that um like in the world right right now there's a, a, a verse i think it's an acts it might be in romans it talks about how god establishes the boundaries for the nations and sets them in certain places at certain times that they might seek him and um as we're basically living in matthew chapter 24 right now we're living in that time right now there's a lot of wars and rumors of wars and riots and boundary shuffling where we have mexico coming up um, into the United States, and I have an opinion about that. Um, if you steal land, your land will be stolen sometime in the future. So it's like, should we do we need to have a better border and better laws? Yeah, sure, but it in, in a certain sense is reciprocity. Um, you know, the book of James tells us we can't say to people, be warm and be, and be filled and not do anything about it. We can't look at the people in Afghanistan who are in a panic trying to trample each other, trying to get on an airplane and say, oh, we need to help those people. And they get here and not do anything. You know, we so if we have to give up something so they can have something, 
that really is okay. I think it's Isaiah 58 where the Lord says, is this, is this not the fast that I have chosen for you to loose the bonds of the wicked? So if I have to eat beans and rice for a month so I can put that part of my budget toward towards buying books like Hop on Pop, which these people need as a beginning reader, and buying the supplies, then sure, I, I can eat beans and rice for a month. I, I can do that. I can make adjustments in my life so they can have something more. Um, the When God said the gospel is, is preached to the poor, that came, that's basically a response to Genesis chapter 3, where um, part of the curse was that that you will have to labor and sweat for your food. So that's like the economic strata. And um, Jesus came, part of what he wanted to do, um, not in a communistic way to, to you know, take, take what's mine and give it to the whole world, but change my heart. So if I have extra, I have the ability to share. And um, in the future, if, I, if I'm in need, someone else will have the ability to share with me because God's going to put that, that on their heart. So the one who gathers little um, will not go hungry, and the one who gathers much will have none left over. It's the Jesus, Holy Spirit method of making certain that everyone has what they need, and it takes our participation and if I have to give up something so they can have something, that really is okay. These are people who were running from crazy people. You know, these are people who were, when we look at the TV and say, oh, the Taliban, th those are bad guys. They make women wear blankets on their head. These people actually were there. I mean, I, I was, um, on Tuesday, I helped teach two women who were basically told, it's illegal for you to learn to read. And they thought that they could not do it. And when they realized that they were reading words like mad and lad and glad, tears were running down their eyes because they they were told they couldn't do it. And now they figured out they can. Um, so the gospel is empowering people. There are, there are ways that people can empower me and there are ways that I can empower them because we because Jesus is our king, and that means there is enough success to go around. I don't have to be jealous of anyone. I don't have to be possessive because yes. King Jesus is my supplier. He supplies everything that I need right when I need it. And you know what? There are times if he doesn't supply, maybe it's because I don't need it. You know, and I, I can say, okay. I'm going to have some self-control and I'm not going to buy XYZ right now because what I have will do. And when, when what I have is really broken or whatever, then God will supply a new one. But until then, I will be content with what I have so that I can share. And, you know, there's enough success to go around. We don't have to compete with our Christian brothers and sisters. We don't have to all be grabbing the microphone at once. Um, we don't have to compete with the Baptist church down the street. You know, there are enough sinners to go around. Yeah. Beautiful. So many beautiful pearls that you just said. I just went to a, a voting place. It was next door to the place where I was just raking up leaves and putting them in trash bags. And I, I, I was so dying. I mean, it was in Asheville. I was like, oh, I should go and say something. So I, I walked up to one of the guys. I had two big bags of leaves 
and trash bags. And I was like, hi, um, I, I'm, I'm supposed to drop off these ballots. Uh, do you, and the guy was like confused. He thought I was really serious. I was kind of joking. <laughs> and, you know? and so he was like, oh, uh, oh no, that's, that's later. And I'm like, I'm just messing with you, man. These are just, this is just trash, you know? So, and then I kind of, I, I was conflicted. Like, should I do something? Cause you know, you, they're stealing the election as we speak. And I thought, this isn't me, you know, God bless those patriots out there. Activists, gun toting, swashbuckling pro America. I, I am pro freedom and pro thank God for America. But I felt more like I should bring them some snacks. So I, I got in my car, I got some V8 juice. I was like, maybe they'll like this. There was this lady. She just, it, the whole place was so yucky. The demonic was very present and you could see that the tiredness in their eyes and, and rather than like go and confront them and, you know, record with my cell phone, like you're stealing it, aren't you? You're stealing it. Just be like, Hey, you want some V8 juice? You know, you think, Oh yeah, sure. And of course she had to like check the ingredients and she was like, and then she thought, she's like, man, I, I'm so rude to be doing this. Thank you. Thank you for this. And it was like, you broke through that wall and what you're doing, you are showing love to these refugees. People might be like, Oh my gosh, America's going to the third world. Well, they stole our land. Oh, well, the reciprocity. Reciprocity. Some English teacher I am. They're stealing the election. Guess what? God is going to give the country back to its rightful owners, not with us trying to take up arms. And at least for the church, I feel like what we're supposed to do is more let's win souls, let's love our enemies, let's feed our enemies. I mean, I, that lady took the VH juice and she just couldn't stop thanking me for it. You know, I was like, no, it's no big deal. But inside it was like, if your enemy is hungry and thirsty, feed them. Don't go after them with a knife and say like, you took my land, you took my president, you took, you know. Like, yeah, right? I, I was actually an election worker for about 10 years. I was a poll manager. Oh, wow. And to work in that position, you have to even though you vote for whoever you vote for, you have to promise to be neutral. And we don't know, you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, at least, wow. but, but, um, I, I know that I was neutral. I never cheated. You know, I, I never did anything I shouldn't do. And where, what I did, it was fine. Um, but those people have to be there basically at five thirty in the morning to set up and, I would not sleep the night before because I was afraid I was going to miss my alarm. And that if I don't set up in time, I can't open the polls on time. And then I'm in trouble because the law says it has to be open at seven o'clock in the morning. And when it closes, when the poll closes at seven o'clock, the, the last person in line at seven o'clock gets to vote. So if the line is five hours long, and they don't get to vote till 11 o'clock at night. Then after that person, you close down the polls and you might not get home until five o'clock the next morning. So she might not have had a lunch break. She might not have had a bathroom break. And she was just really needing that V8 to stabilize her sugar level so she could, you know, just be calm and not accidentally yell at somebody. So... You, you did Man. the right thing. She needed the V8. It was just God, you know, but in my gut, it's like, we don't, we don't really need to fight all these people all the time. Like we can kind of just love them and just are the kingdom of God. I mean, is, are we going to vote Jesus in? Isn't he a king? 
And Ern Baxter likes to say government of God. He he likes to say the word government instead of uh, a kingdom. It's like just to make it really, you know, down to earth, like our government, you know, in the millennial reign, we're going to be running the show. You know, we're going to be like doing the infrastructure and stuff, the, the millennial saints. Yeah, so, that's right. And I, I think if you look at like the parables, when it talks about um, the king who passes out the money, passes out the talents and goes away, and then he comes back to set up his kingdom. And he says, and he's asking the people what they did with what they were given. You know, what we do with what we're given right now in this life um, determines what we're going to be allowed to be in charge of, at least I believe, in the millennial reign of Christ. If we just sit on our behinds and on our blessed assurance and don't do anything with what the Lord has given us, just wait for the rapture, buy our buy our, our pet address and wait for the rapture, um, which some people do, you know, yeah. then literally if you look at the way people spend their money just i'm just waiting for jesus to come back hmm. mm -hmm. just just waiting and not doing anything well you're actually slowing down the show lady we we have to we have to get off our patookies we have to do something and you know i just mentioned the buying your pet address if we look at the way people spend their money more money is spent on Halloween costumes for pets than on sending the gospel to third world nations, to the least reached nations. So it, for every Christian household, it might be 60 cents, might reach third world nations, but the same people are probably in the line at Wendy's. And my daughter works at Wendy's and it's nice that she has a paycheck. But what would happen if people gave up one hamburger a month? For one hamburger a month and not buying Sparky a Halloween costume, we can get Jesus here sooner. So let's change the way that we spend our money. And when it comes to the borders thing, um, in heaven, heaven is multicultural. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation are going to be there worshiping Jesus. So if you don't get along with other cultures, if somebody listening thinks they don't like people from other cultures, change it. Ask Jesus to change your heart because we all have to get along. We only have one planet Earth right now. Jesus Christ is Lord. So if he's my king and you are from Timbuktu and Jesus is your king, we have the same king. We have the same culture. We should get along just great. Um, but there, we are coming into a time where the time of the Gentiles um, is coming to an end. Um, the time of the of Gentiles having rule in Israel, um, of certain mountains and certain certain locations, the time of Gentiles um, is coming to an end, and we're coming to the time where um, the Jews more and more are receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. And this COVID situation, that was a wake-up call. There are things that started to happen overnight. There's um, a ministry group in Israel called One for Israel. It's basically Jews sharing the gospel with Jews in Hebrew. And they have great video and they use the word of God, Old Testament and New Testament correctly. Um, brilliant, brilliant people. And they share the word of God with, with Palestinians 
and Jews, and they, when the Palestinians and Jews know Jesus, they get along very well. They worship together. They go to the same Bible schools. You would never know there was a problem. Um, but when COVID hit, when the lockdowns hit Israel, the, the internet traffic on One for Israel um, multiplied exponentially. So that now we have these Jews who are locked away alone and their mama can't see what they're doing. You know, no, their friends aren't watching them. They're saying, hmm, who's this Jesus guy? And they're watching him on their phone, something they can't put down. There's another ministry called um, Groundwire. And I think that one of the leaders of this is out of Calvary Chapel, which is basically Baptist, but that's okay. You know, if they start putting us in prison for our faith, they're not going to say, are you Pentecostal or Baptist? You know, we serve the same Jesus. We're all going to be in the same prison. Okay. But Groundwire um, uses the cell phone to reach young people basically between the age of 13 and their target is like 13 to 30. But I um, evangelize there every Sunday evening. It's basically an internet chat room. And I've talked to people who say they're as old as 60. Um, but they put out these commercials on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, really quick commercials that hit people in the heart. Like just talking about heart issues really, really quick. You've got this situation at home. This person is harassing you. Jesus cares. It's those kinds of things. And people will hit that, hit that ad. If they tap it, then they're led, basically funneled into um, a portal where it says, you know, we, we, we love, we're Christians. We'd love to help you. Um, but if you go, if you choose to go beyond this point, a caring person will chat with you about your problem and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray with you. And you wouldn't think that for like to the 13 to 30 age group, they would be the least bit interesting, interested in that. But people just want to know that somebody cares. You know, they're in a crowd act, acting like they're cool, acting like is they're great. But inside they're lonely and they're broken and they just want to know that somebody loves them. And they may have never heard the Bible or maybe their grandma told them something about Jesus that they kind of remember. Maybe they kind of remember something from vacation Bible school or that nice lady across the street. So they, they tap and they come in and they basically, when they enter the chat room, they mention what their problem is. Um, depression, suicide, um, then all manner of, um, of bad things that I don't, I don't need to say. Some people are just there wasting time talking when they want to chat about inappropriate subjects. But like when I'm in that chat room, I see a topic come up, maybe it's depression, suicide, anxiety, whatever. And I click on that and I just chat with the person in a kind way and they'll tell me about their problems and I share scripture and just um, and, and share the gospel. And in the month of, I think in September, over 40 5,000 people came to Jesus and they're replicating this every single month. Every single month, the number of people that are coming to Jesus on Groundwire is multiplying exponentially. I think maybe in the first year, maybe they had 12,000, but it's just volunteer volunteers who are well vetted, um, who just take a couple hours a week just to go online, enter the chat room and chat with people who want to know Jesus chat with people who have a problem. And I've um, chatted pe with people in India and Egypt and Canada. There was 
a Muslim in Canada who was um, just about to go to his Friday prayers. And he felt like his Friday prayers weren't working. And I was able to tell him, Jesus is the only one who promises forgiveness of sins. And I gave him basically a cut and paste out of um, the scripture in Luke that I got in Bible Gateway. Just cut and paste that Jesus is the only one who has the ability to forgive your sins. That other guy, who I won't say his name, didn't say that. Every other religion doesn't claim that you can have forgiveness of sins. He's the only one. Um, and so he was going into his Friday prayers thinking, Jesus is the only one who forgives sins. But I've, through this, I've reached out to people all over the USA and all over the world, but their traffic multiplied it, multiplied exponentially right at COVID, but bang, it went up. So people are alone with a mask on their face because they're afraid of germs. It's like, I feel hopeless. What am I going to do? I've got this thing. I'm watching TikTok and and there's this thing about a hopeless person and they click that and they're led to a place where people care for them. And when people know that you care, you would be amazed at what they tell you. They will, they'll tell you things they wouldn't tell their dog. They'll tell you things they wouldn't tell their best friend. And they just want somebody to be nice and, and pray with them. Um, but our, things are accelerating at such a pace that I can kind of see that I'm not saying that Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. I don't know, but it's certainly sooner than it was yesterday. And we accelerate that process when we share the gospel, but we have to share it with compassion. It's like, if you don't, if you don't have compassion, then sharing the gospel with the bad attitude is not going to get you anywhere. And it's just going to, um, put a bad taste in, pe in people's mouths so that when someone like you or someone like me or a nice person comes to share the gospel, their ears are closed. So if you know that you don't have compassion, my suggestion is that you give to mission organizations who are getting the gospel where it needs to go. And while you're giving on a monthly basis to those organizations, you start praying that Jesus will increase your compassion. And when I say give on a monthly basis, I mean have a subscription. There's a group that I give to in, in Pakistan, and it and the question is, do you want to make this a monthly gift? So it takes it off, off your credit card or your bank statement or whatever your payment method is on a monthly basis. I clicked yes, because if you can subscribe to Netflix or the Hallmark Channel or, or gym membership, you can subscribe to give Bibles. You can subscribe to Feed Widows. We have to make it a habit. And that's okay. Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So it has to be where we're doing it without thinking. If I'm, if every single month they've got to think, am I going to give this month? Some people kind of hold back, but hmm, am I going to rent that video? Am I going to go get new mascara? Am I going to dye my hair again this month? Or whatever, whatever that thing I'm going to do. You know, I don't think a minute about spending 10 bucks on hair color. But if I'm thinking, hmm, I can buy this, but hmm, I'm not going to spend the $7 to give one Bible to a family in China who's probably going to tear it into pieces and share it 10 ways and then trade the pieces so they each can have a Bible. Now, we have to think about how we're spending our money. Jesus said that we can't serve him and serve money. So... 
What do I think I need that I really don't need that I can give up so somebody else can have the gospel? Amen. It's, and we should also be mindful of, I know people who are able to adopt, you know, a lot of our friends, yeah. Thomas Morrow, uh, different friends we've interviewed that had orphanages in Zambia, uh, Matthew Surya, uh, some other, I've been, I've been to Nepal several times and well, twice, but I've worked with ministries in Nepal going to these mountainous places and these orphanages are getting shut down because of COVID, of course. And the new thing is smaller, more homegrown missionary operations into these third world countries. And then possibly even setting up adoption in stable areas back here and orphanages and, and not just big orphanages, like impersonal orphanage, but like a lot of Christian families may be adopting a few each of, of these children. So be mindful of the third world. And, and that whole operation is about to totally transform. It is transforming, but um, definitely trustworthy. So what is this min ministry that you are giving to personally, Sharon? Because we should promote that ministry to our audience. Um, what is the name of it? Where can they find it? Um, Good Samaritan Ministries in Pakistan. It might also be called um, Good Samaritan Church in Pakistan. And Dr. Naeem Nasir is the pastor there, and he did his, um, he is Pakistani. He did his seminary um, at All Nations Bible College and Seminary. And um, it's a very, very inexpensive, but high quality type of seminary. But you have to, um, everything is basically by correspondence right now. And I'm finishing up my seminary degree. Hopefully I'll have it by the end of this year. And it's, Cool. It's not the kind of it's not the kind of thing where they take away your faith. I mean, they have okay for, for their agent, <laughs> you have for to their, say that <laughs> on the on the demonology stuff. It's yeah. it's Derek Prince. So okay. they that they, they they it's good stuff. But um, sometimes people question your education. Um, like I've had people say, "Well, you ask me what seminary I went to when I say I'm ordained." So, well, yeah. I, I didn't go to seminary before I was ordained. Well, how did you get ordained? Um, I, I know the word of God. So I, I was ordained, but in, um, there you go, but I'm getting this to kind of back it up because I know who ordained me, um, and what people might think about that. And I know it's not nepotism, but somebody else might have a different opinion, but, um, in, in any case, it's Good Samaritan um, Church or Good Samaritan Ministries in Pakistan, and they fe they feed the poor. They have a they have a, a Bible college there. They um, and but Dr. Naim Nasir is just on fire for Jesus. When he went when he came back, he and his wife lived in the United States in um, South Carolina, I think, in Myrtle Beach to go to go to this Bible school for about three years. But when he went back, it's like an explosion of the word of God in Pakistan. And now Christianity is growing. Um, and I won't say the persecution is completely um, gone because um, because there, there's still persecution and Christian kids are bullied in schools and things like that. But it's not illegal to be a Christian. You just might go from being a doctor to a janitor in one day. They just make certain that your, your job status is not good. Um, but they have like job training programs for people to learn how to sew, learn how to fix computers, um, learn how to be, um, 
the um, Indian or the Pakistani that you might talk to at customer service um, at Amazon and things like that. And people need those kinds of jobs. There's actually an ESL teacher over there right now helping a lot of them uh, um, prep to take that test. But it's Good Samaritan Ministries um, in Pakistan. And I, I subscribe to give to widows and give Bibles. But the way that I ran into that ministry was really interesting. Um, I have dreams about doing missionary service and going places. And there I recognized something on, that I saw on Facebook. I said, hmm, that courtyard that these people are in, which was a different group in Pakistan, looks just like the courtyard in my dream. I was preaching in that courtyard. In my dream, I was, if you know what I mean, I was preaching in that courtyard in my dream. And so I contacted the person. I said, where is this? And she said, this is in Lahore, Pakistan. I said, I dreamed about, about preaching there. And this woman is named Rachel. Her evangelist, Rachel, her husband is Pastor John. Um, um, Ibukul, I think, is their last name. So I was in contact with her, sending them money um, and helping them out on occasion as often as I'm able. Um, they have schools and churches all over Pakistan. And then um, she needs some help getting um, some Bibles in their language. And I was just looking for a place where they could get Bibles in Urdu. And so when I typed in free Bibles in Urdu, this church came up. So I was connected to this church when I was looking for something for her. Um, so now I've got basically two groups in Pakistan that I'm helping out. And one of the groups in Pakistan is helping out a group of John and Rachel go all over the place. And they have probably three or four different churches. And they basically make the circuit and teach at different churches. And they have maybe three or four different schools and make the circuit and teach, it, and teach at different schools um, that they have set up that people like me just send them a few bucks here and there. And so there were some refugees from Afghanistan who came over the border after the big mess and settled, uh, that we know who did, um, and settled there. And these people needed help. And they were, and I had had a dream a few years back where these people from Afghanistan were basically running up to me, but some of them had blonde hair. And mm. that's kind of not typical. And I look, when I looked at this picture, I said, they're blondes. What is that? And they they use henna in their hair so some of them their hair looks blonde but one of the oh. girls i recognized from a dream i thought hmm so i've seen these people before so i'm supposed to help them so i started helping wow. them out and sending money as often as i'm able and they it's like for um like for 250 bucks you can buy shoes for half a village like they could have Amazing. a pair um, it might be something like a cheap version of Crocs, but you know what? They're not walking in glass. And right. um, so and these people are, are Muslims. They're not Christians, but they're going to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. I asked, the, I asked the, my friend Rachel, please tell them that Jesus loves them. She said, these people are Muslims. If we share the gospel with them, we're going to lose our heads. I said, okay, then when you're giving them the clothes and shoes, you pray over it. And pray that God will give them dreams and visions of Jesus. Amen. 
and then they'll yeah. ask you questions because you know Jesus will introduce himself and then they'll all then they'll be Christians and then you can tell them whatever you need to tell them. She said, sure, we'll do that. So beautiful. Um so the the gospel is going out all over the world. And if you don't know how to witness, I say get out your map, the world map, you pick a nation and you start to pray. And you'll find that God will bring people from that nation to you. And maybe in different ways, bring you to people from that nation. But Amen. we ha we have to pray. It happens in intercession. It happens in prayer. It happens in kindness. And we have to be willing to give up something now for maybe what we can have later. Um, you know, I don't live in a mansion. That's okay. I've got another mansion. I I'd love to have That's a horse a right quote. now. I Yeah. But I don't have a horse right now. And I'd love to have a horse. But you know what? I'm going to be riding a white horse. So I, Me it's, too. so we don't, you know, we don't have to worry about getting the stuff. We have the stuff. We just have to hurry up, hurry up the savior by spreading the gospel. Praise God. Well, you're doing it. And are you online anywhere where you share or teach online? Or is it more just, is, was it just Omega man kind of like that, that, because of through your dad, like, yeah, my dad, um, introduced me to Shannon after I did a teaching for our little zoom Bible study. I felt, Hmm, everybody's talk, talking about this topic and nobody wants to touch it. And I feel like I'm supposed to, so yeah. I'll do that. And we'll, and then from there, my dad called Shannon and said, Hey, I think that my daughter needs to be on your program. Wow. So we talked about a different, and so I teach on a Omega man at this point about what, about once a month and for those studies i do the powerpoint and i might study 40 hours to produce a one-hour teaching because i want to make certain yeah it's like stuff that i already know but i want to make certain i get everything right and i put in the visuals to make certain that people um as a teacher you know you have to use more than one part of your brain if you're going to get all the information and i can't right. have them dance and do jumping jacks but i can engage their ears and their eyes at the same time and then if anybody asks me for an outline, I will email them my outline because I want them to be able to look at the Bible and study the Bible for themselves. Yes. Because we have to get in. It's like one of my sons is a great runner and he could probably run a marathon right now. And I might say, hmm, I want to be a runner. I'll just watch. No, he can't give me what he earned. He can coach me. He can say, this is yes. what you need to eat. This is how you need to exercise. But I have to actually do it. It's like the um, the um, the brides and the oil. We have the five brides, um, the the bridesmaids who have a full a, a full jar of oil, and the other ones who don't have any. And they say, "Exactly, I, I want some of yours." And it's like I can spend five hours in intercessory prayer, but I can't give it to you. Right. You know, I I but can't. You can read the Bible lure people you. to you know. Hey, you should try this out. And they, they see you glowing and they see you just sharing with such joy and peace. You know, that's very unusual. Uh, you're obviously aware of a lot of tragedy around the world and, and end time events. And you just, you know, you come from, um, I think our families too. Like we have that sense of the kingdom and gosh, I mean, I wish we had more time. There's so much more to share. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, hey, but if you come on my like, show, yeah, less than 40 minutes required to prepare because we're pretty can't the Bashams were the best friends of the Derek Prince's because Derek Prince could just be Derek Prince and hang out and, you know, relax around Basham. Yeah. So 
but is like as far as like me like teaching online i do things like this if i'm invited sure yes. i'll come but i don't have the technology and i had to give my dogs a chill pill to make certain that they would not bark during this yeah i give my dogs a chill pill and i tell the vet i I do Christian radio about once a month and my dogs have to be quiet. He says, okay. So, so, <laughs> so I know exactly how, how much to give them. And my son has his German shepherd upstairs and he knows that she has to be quiet. Um, but I just go where I'm invited because I don't have the technology to, to produce great video. And so I just do what I'm good at. If people invite me, I, I come. If they don't invite me, I just keep on reading my Bible and then I'll have something to present, to present when I'm invited. Now, Neville Johnson used to do that as well towards the end of his life. And you mentioned that you, you thought you'd run into him or that your family had run into Neville in China. Do you know who that is or is that another Neville I, Johnson? I know who Neville Johnson is. But when I the first time, I have never physically been to China. But if you know Neville Johnson, he kind of got out and about, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yes. We so, talk about that a lot on this show. Yes. Yeah. So, um, once I, I was asleep and I woke up and I was, um, in, in China and I don't know if it's a dream or if it wasn't a dream, I'm not going to try to figure that part out, but I followed some people and went basically into a secret church and there was a glass, a little corridor and a glass door. And I went in there and I just sat down with the people and we were praying. And I understood that we were praying for a pastor who was missing, had been kidnapped or something like that. And this little blonde man went up to the front. And he told the people that their pastor was going to be released. Wow. Well, when the first time I saw Neville Johnson, I think on YouTube, I thought, I know that man. First of all, oh that man has been... I, I said, that man has been with Derek Prince. It turns out that he had been with Uncle Derek. I thought, I oh. know that man. Where do I know that man? And then he told the story about when he was out and about and he was all of a sudden in China and he went down a little corridor and went through a glass door and went into this group of Christians who were crying and praying for a pastor who had been kidnapped. He went to the front and said, your pastor will be released. Oh my gosh. I'm getting goosebumps. Yes. So that, Whew. so it's not like I shook his hand or anything like that, but it's like, Hmm, that that's where I, that's where I met that man. Yes. So we didn't Gosh. like meet and say hello, but it's like, we were same space, same, same time. Well, we're, we're busy getting his, his talks from YouTube, the ones that are public already into MP3 format on podcasts as well. So if, if people are interested, let us know, but Hey, we're out of time for now. We're going to definitely, have you back on as soon as we can so get make sure you tell that vet you know twice a month for the, <laughs> the chill pills <laughs> for the doggy because i know shannon wants you and and we want you as well and it's great that we're we're nearby um maybe we'll pass through georgia and 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 visit or if you're ever up here in north carolina you know come sure. and join some bash and bonfires and see the chicken farm that we're building the bear ate most of my chickens so i'm i'm back at war gonna re restock replenish but uh it's so great to talk to you wow this was really cool um any any last links or where can we find uh jim jim croft archive of, of sermons and teachings besides the ones on omega men already um 
my sister Rachel is putting together um, an archive. She's just, he writes on Facebook every single day, sometimes oh. three articles a day. I think, I think it's under his name, Jim Croft or Jim Croft okay. Ministries, either one of those. But he writes about three articles a day and he's on Facebook um, and he's not really any place else other than the few times that he's on Omega Man. Um, okay. Okay. Wow. Well, what an honor for us to, I mean, Omega Man and I just paired up this last month or two every week now. And he's been kicking me in the butt to get on the China thing. And I mean, it's, it's all out war now it's, it's mission time. So we're proud to be working with you guys. It's like Legolas and Gandalf and Aragorn. I don't know if you're a Lord <laughs> of the Rings fan, but I feel like that's what's happening here. It's a fellowship. So I'm going to just hang in there guys. Thank you for joining us. This is Michael Basham faithbucks.com expect the link to that good samaritan ministries on the website i want to support them as well and and help promote them and uh this has been a great talk with sharon croft of uh jim croft ministries and we'll be we'll be back soon god bless y'all